Well, we're going to get right into the message today. Uh, this is Family Sunday, so I know there are a lot of children here, and it's been a good day so far, so let's, let's get in the Word, because God's given me a Word for the, for the body today. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to be reading the, what is called the Christmas story, if you want to call it that, of the birth of Jesus from Luke chapter 2. I had to memorize this in the sixth grade. I was, uh, I was the master of ceremonies to the, the Christmas play. That's back when you could actually have a religion in schools, and I, I memorized that. And I did it in, I think, probably in the King James back then. But I'm doing it from the Passion Translation this morning. So if you want to follow along the screen uh, or your app or your phone or your, your Bible, uh, we're going to start for verse 1. During those days, the Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus, ordered that the first census be taken throughout his empire. Quirinius was the governor of Syria at that time. Everyone had to travel to the hometown of their family to complete the mandatory census. So Joseph and his wife Mary left Nazareth, a village in Galilee, and journeyed to their hometown in Judea, to the village of Bethlehem, King David's ancient home. They were required to register there since they were both direct descendants of David. That's very important. Mary was pregnant and nearly ready to give birth. And when they arrived in Bethlehem, Mary went into labor, and there she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped the newborn baby in strips of cloth. You need to rem- remember that. Strips of cloth, not swaddling clothes like so many transitions, uh, translations say. And Mary and Joseph laid him in a feeding trough since there was no available space in any upper room in the village. That night in the field near Bethlehem, shepherds were watching over their flocks. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared in radiant splendor before them, lighting up the field with the blazing glory of God. And the shepherds were terrified, Right? Wouldn't you be terrified? But the angel reassured them, saying, Don't be afraid, for I've come to bring you good news. Say good news. news. Another word for that is gospel. The good news. The most joyous news the world has ever heard. And it is for everyone everywhere. Say, I'm I'm somebody. somebody. You're an everyone, right? For today in Bethlehem, a rescuer was born for you. He is the Lord Yahweh, the Messiah. Now, underline this next verse. You will recognize him by this miraculous sign. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in the feeding trough. Then all at once in the night sky, a vast number of glorious angels appeared, the very armies of heaven, and they all praised God, singing glory to God in the highest realms of heaven. For there is peace and a good hope given to the sons of men. When the choir of angels disappear, can you imagine? All of a sudden, there's one angel, then there's millions of angels, and then they're all gone. They just disappear. So when the choir of angels disappeared and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go. Say, let's go. Say, let's go. Let's hurry and find this word, capital W, who is born in Bethlehem and see for ourselves what the Lord has revealed to us. Revelation. So they hurried off and found their way to Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in a feeding trough. And upon seeing this miraculous sign, the shepherds recounted what had just happened. I'm sure they were telling Mary and Joseph, you're not going to believe what happened, right? They're recounting to whoever else was at that that scene. They were recounting what had just taken place on the hillside. So everyone who heard the shepherd's story was astonished by what they were told. But Mary treasured all these things in her heart, and often pondered what they meant. The shepherds returned to their flock, ecstatic over what had happened. 
They praised God and glorified him for all they had heard and seen for themselves, just like the angel had said. Listen, that is one of the most incredible stories you'll ever hear. Wouldn't you believe that? You believe that? The most amazing birth announcement. We think we got these reveal parties that are cool. Ain't nothing like that. And they already revealed as it is a boy. <laughs> they didn't wait for some blue something to explode in the air. But none could be so, you know, as, as when we see this story, we hear of this unusual Noel. Did you know what? That's, that's what the word Noel means. It's a birth announcement. It's a baby is being born at Noel. So they had this incredible, incredible announcement that was told to the, to the shepherds. Now, here's the thing. We've been going through, if you're just, first Sunday you've been here, you don't know this, but probably don't know this, but for the last few weeks we've been doing stories, the stories of the people that, that, that happened during this time. It was, we started with Zacharias and Elizabeth and how the angel had told them that they were going to have a baby and his name was going to be John. It was not a supernatural birth like Jesus. She, uh, Elizabeth was not a, well, she was a, she was not a virgin. And so we, talk, we talked about Zacharias and we talked about Elizabeth. Then we talked about the story of Joseph and how he was called out by an angel to, to take, Mary, take Mary in even though the baby wasn't going to be his. It wasn't going to be by his, his uh, uh, giving his life, uh, sleeping with her. <laughs> how do you want to say that? <laughs> I struggle when the little children are here. Uh, anyway. So we talked about Joseph and what he had to give up. And what he had to believe for. And then we, dis- we discussed Mary last week and her story, which is, all, they're, they're all incredible stories. But I wanted you to see how you related to all of those. Because we all have a calling. We all have a story. And that's this whole past year, even what John Barrio shared. It's been about a story. Everybody has to say, I have a story. story. See, so your life is being written. Your, your story is being told day by day by day how you live it out. So we all have a story. But today, I, what I wanted to focus on is the story of promotion. These shepherds were promoted that night. How many of you have ever been promoted before the job? That's awesome. How many of you have been demoted? No, no. I just don't want to add that. You've been promoted. Why do we get promotions in jobs? What, what's, what usually happens because we've been what? Faithful? We've been a good worker? We've been trustworthy. We've been people of integrity. We made the company money, right? And so we, sometimes we, we see promotions take place, and, and we've gone from one level to another level. And, and so why would, why would I say promotion about these shepherds? Because a lot of people, you know what we always focus on? Oh, those poor old lowly shepherds. Why would God go to the poor old farmers or ranchers or whatever you want to call them out there in the, out there in the night sky, and they're watching over a bunch of dumb sheep? But see, if you don't know the rest of the story, you don't know why they were, why God called them. But there's a reason he called these shepherds. There's a reason that he came to these shepherds on that night. They weren't just ordinary shepherds. See, church history, church scholars that do these studies, it is so cool when you start studying these shepherds. These shepherds, you know what they were? You know who, what, what the sheep were they were looking over? These were the lambs that were being prepared for the Passover. They were specifically had this incredible task of taking care of these little lambs. When they would be born, you know what they would do with a little lamb? They would take the lamb and they would take the lamb and they would wrap strips of cloth around their legs. Getting in, does that make sense? They would wrap, you know why they would do that? So they wouldn't kick and cause a defect, cuts or anything else on themselves or any other sheep. Because they had to be what? 
perfect to be Passover lambs. So they would wrap these claws around their feet, and guess where they would place them after they did that? In a feeding trough with lots of hay so it would be nice and soft. See, the feeding trough, Jesus was not born in. I'm sorry, sorry to break your, burst your bubble. He wasn't born in a barn. He was born in a cave. And he was probably not laid in a wooden cradle because he was laid in a hewn-out stone manger. I've been to Bethlehem. I've seen that. And it's been documented. That's, that's, how, that's how he was born in a cave because that's, that, that's the way it was in Bethlehem. And so they take these lambs and they put the lambs, they tie their feet up in these claws and they put them in, 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 in the manger. And then you know what they do next? They call for the priest. And the priest has to come and look that lamb over and make sure that lamb is perfect. And when they look the lamb over and say he's perfect, they say, he's okay, that lamb can now be sacrificed on Passover for the sins of the people. Does that ring any bells with what I've just read about Jesus Christ? See, this was the sign that they were looking for. I, I think I've read this story hundreds of times. He said, this will be the sign. It wasn't, you'll find the star over Bethlehem. That wasn't the sign. Oh, you'll find some kings there, or, or you'll, you'll find a little drummer boy who's ever made that up. You know, you, you want, that's not the sign. They said, this is how you will know he's the Messiah, because he will be in a manger, and he will be wrapped with, lint, with, with cloth. Come on, church, you understand that. They weren't just ordinary people. They were, they were promoted that night. They said, now you've been on, the angel said, now you've been on this hill. You've been doing your job. You're doing a great job. But we want to show you something else. We want to show you the real Passover lamb. We want to show you the lamb that's going to save the world. That was the sign. That's the sign we're looking for. So they hurried off to find the Messiah. I'm pretty sure that the announcement was probably enough for them to go look for Jesus, Right? That was probably enough. But these, these shepherds were versed in Scripture. They knew the Scripture. They knew that Messiah was, was prophesied to come. And so they, they, heard, the, they heard the announcement. And they said, guys, this, is, this has got to be him. What would you do if angels showed up, millions of angels showed up, gave you an announcement? Would you kind of want to believe them? I think I would. So they hurried off. The Bible said, they said this, let's go. Let's hurry and find this word. Now, let's stop right there. Let's go and find this word. Say word. word. Remember we talked about the armor of God? Take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the what? The word of God. And what word was that in the Greek? Rhema. Say rhema. That's the living, breathing word. That's a spoken word. And that's the word that was used here when they said, let's go and see. The word, Rama, living word, who was born in Bethlehem, and see for ourselves what the Lord has revealed to us. Say revealed. revealed. See, they had to have revelation that night. They had to have revelation that night of what was taking place. John 1.14 says, and the word, this is John the Apostle John, not, not John the Baptist. John the Apostle John, he said in John 1.14, and the word, the word there is logos. It's just a written word. Say written word. Written. Logos. Say logos. So you learned two Greek words today, rhema and logos. He says, and the word logos, listen to this, became flesh. What is flesh? Flesh is alive. So the word, the written word, became alive and dwelt among us. God sent his son to the earth to be born as a baby in a manger. 
And that written word now became the logo, became the, the, the logos word, became the rhema word. Because Jesus Christ was now here on earth and he was alive and he dwelt among men. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Isn't that amazing? You can't make this stuff up. You can't line all that stuff up over thousands of years and make it happen like that. It's God doing his work in us. And we had to have a revelation. He said, you've got to go. They had to, be, they had to have a revelation of who they were about to see. I had to come to that revelation one time in my, in my life. At the age of 17, I had to come to the revelation that Jesus was who he said he was. I've been to church all my life. I was raised in the church. I was probably born in the nursery. I don't know. But <laughs> we didn't miss church. My mother was like, no, you're not going to miss church. You had to be deathly ill to miss church. So we, we were church, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, any, any other thing that they had, we were always there. And so I had a lot of religion in my life, but I didn't have a, the revelation of who Jesus Christ was until I was 17 years of age. And I gave my life because the revelation came, and I received the revelation, I believed the revelation, and I made Jesus Lord of my life. That, that, was, it, that was a long time ago. The same that night, they had to have revelation of who this baby was in this manger. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this, And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Did you know people say, well, how do, how do you find Jesus when you just start seeking him? You want to talk to an atheist? Well, I don't believe there's a God. Well, then just ask him. If you don't believe there's one, not a God, then it was, what's, what's the issue? What would be the problem of saying, God, if you're real, show yourself to me? What would be the issue? I, I, you know, there shouldn't be one. So if you're really, if you're really asking if there's a God, just start seeking him. It's, the Bible says that he's not a liar. If you will seek me and find me when you will seek me and find me when you search for me or seek me with all of your heart. In other words, you have, okay, I'm going to go after God. I want to know. I want to know. I want to know because I want to live the life that he has called me to live. If God is real, God, show yourself true to me. And guess what he will do? He will show himself true to you. He will reveal himself to you. That's why he came. That's why he was born in a manger. That's why he went to the cross. That's why he gave his life for us. Look what the prophet Isaiah said. We're talking about these lambs. Isaiah 53, 6, talking about prophetic word. All we like sheep have gone astray. Every one of us. We're all just do it. Hey, sound like a sheep real quick. See, all we like sheep, we've gone astray. All of us. He didn't say a few of us. He said all of us. He wasn't talking just about the Jewish people. He said, all people have gone astray. We have all sinned, the Bible says, and do what? We've fallen short of the glory of God. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Isn't that sound like most of us in our lifetime, we did our own thing until we came to Jesus? And the Lord has laid on him, capital H, this is the Messiah, the iniquity of us all. He's put it all on him. Look at the rest. He was oppressed. Jesus was oppressed. Jesus was afflicted. Yet Jesus opened not his mouth. Jesus was led as a what? A lamb. Say lamb. Mary had a little lamb. Yeah. Mary had a little lamb that grew up and went to the cross. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. That's a prophetic word that came true about 2,000 years ago. When that little baby grew up. We celebrate the baby, but man, we celebrate more of the Savior. We celebrate Messiah. We celebrate the risen Jesus. We, ce we celebrate the soon coming King. Amen? Amen. Amen. A little delayed, but we'll take it. 
when, Jesus, when John the Baptist, you know, John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. More than, more than likely, he was, they were first cousins. That's what we, they believe. Jesus was around 30 years old when he began his ministry. They don't know exactly, but probably around 30. John the Baptist had been baptizing people, telling about the Messiah. And all this time, he really did not know that his cousin was Messiah. He didn't. After all these 30 years... I'll show you why I know that. Because look at John 1, 29. The very next day, John saw Jesus, his cousin, coming to him to be baptized. And John cried out, look, there he is, God's lamb. He's the lamb of the world. He takes away the sins of the entire world. There's the lamb. We talk about the lamb. We talk about the baby. But that lamb grew up, that baby grew up. And then he walked this earth for three years and he did signs and wonders and miracles. And he gave his life for us on the cross at Calvary. Three days later, he was resurrected. Three days later, he came back and he stayed on this earth for 40 days and he preached the kingdom of God. And then he ascended to his father in heaven. He said, I'm leaving, but... I, you know, he said, I'm leaving, but one is coming back in my place. I'm sending the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is a person. He said, I'm sending Holy Spirit back to the earth. And he did. And Holy Spirit lives in us that are giving our life to Jesus Christ. This is your announcement this morning. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came for each and every one of you. Let me tell you something. We, we sing that peace on earth, goodwill toward men. I am telling you this morning, the only real peace you will ever have is through Jesus Christ. The world can't give you the peace that Jesus Christ can give you. The world can't give you the joy, the joy, of the joy to the world. The world cannot give you the joy that Jesus can give you. It's not the same thing. The world may give you a temporary happiness, but it can't give you joy, the peace of mind. It can't give you that, that peace that, that dwells within you, that when everything is falling apart, you're sitting there going, I trust God. He's got me through all of this. He'll, he will take me through to the end, and one day I will go and live with him for eternity. The world can't give you that stuff. And we try, we try to get it, we try to get filled, we try to get more money, we try to get bigger houses, nicer cars, better jobs, better, uh, you know, everything. We try to replace and, and, and find our peace and our joy and our happiness in that stuff. And sometimes that stuff gets so much you've got to rent a storage building to put that stuff that was giving you peace in a storage room. I know I've got one. I walk in there, there ain't no peace when I walk in my storage room. Oh, Lord, what is all this stuff? <laughs> Honey, can we get rid of that? No, no. Uh, Wes drew that when he was seven, you know, and we're going to keep that. <laughs> Wes, do you want it? No, Dad. Tressy, do you want your stuff? We got your trunk with all your, all your parap you know, paraphernalia. You got all your cheerleading stuff. <laughs> we got all your stuff, Tressy. You want to take it home here because we don't have room? No, Dad, y'all keep it. <laughs> okay, we'll keep it. None of that stuff, listen guys, that we think that we hoard and we save and we build up and we treasure, none of that will bring you the joy that the only Jesus Christ can give you. There is no greater promotion. Listen, there's no greater promotion. No greater promotion. It's even better than what the shepherds experience at night than going from lost to found. 
There's no greater com- promotion than going from dead to life. There's no greater promotion than, than going from a destiny of hurt and pain and emptiness and sorrow to a destiny of life in Christ Jesus and the purpose that he has for you. There's no greater promotion than when you come into the kingdom of God. No greater promotion. Here's the cool part about it all, and then I'm going to be done. I told you it's a short sermon. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. Matter of fact, you can't work for it. You can't do enough to get it. You see, that's, I think that's one of the big holdbacks for people. That they, don't, they, they don't give their life to Christ because they feel like they've got to do something. You know what you have to do? You have to believe. You, just, you have to believe. You have to trust. You have to put your faith in. You have to believe that Jesus Christ is who he says he is, that God is who he says he is. You have to believe that in your heart and confess it with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And the Bible says you shall be saved. It doesn't say, and then, then you've got to do this, 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 and this, and this. Let me read it for you so you can get an understanding because many churches teach you it's all about your works. Listen, the work was done at the cross. The work was done at the tomb. You can't do enough to get there and earn it. Ephesians 2, 4. But God who is rich in mercy, say rich in mercy. That means we don't get what we deserve. Because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses. Dead men walking, right? Made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. He's kind. He's a good God. He wants us to be with him forever. For by grace, say grace. grace. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. Say, I can't do it. It is the gift. Say, gift. Talk about your gifts. I don't know how many of you guys got all your gifts under the tree. Or you may be having to go today and, and figure out what you're going to get, that last-minute gift. This is, salvation is a gift, church. You can't, when I go and open my presents, I'm like, man, I worked really hard to get that. How many, how many kids are going to go, Mama, I deserve that? Well, now you deserved a piece of coal in your, in your stocking. A gift is something we, we give. We give because we love. We give because we want to. And we receive it because we don't deserve it. We receive it. He says this. He said, it is the gift of God. And then he's very specific in verse 9. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. I can't go. When the judgment bar, when God, I go to stand before God, I can't say, hey, God, you know, you got to let me in. Because I was a preacher. I was a good preacher. I love people. I served and I did this and I gave with bicycles and we fed people. I, you, you should let me in because of all the good things that I've done. Listen, that would be almost blasphemous for me to say that to God. I want to just say, have mercy on me. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve what Jesus did for me. And God's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter in. 
And it's because of what my son did for you. He paid the price. He paid the price so that we wouldn't have to. And then he goes on to say, for we are his workmanship. We're his masterpiece. Say, I'm his masterpiece. I remember this a long time ago. God doesn't make any junk. He didn't make any mistakes. You're not a mistake, even though your parents might have said you were a mistake. You're not a mistake. The very God that created the world knit you together in your mother's womb. And it says he's created us in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, we do the good works. Guys, we do the good works. I'm not saying we're not supposed to. We do them because of our love for him. That's it. We do, we do what we do. We, we give food. We feed people. We clothe people. We love people. We help people. We counsel people. We do it because of our love for him, because of what he's done for us. That's all it is. So this morning, understand this. It's by the blood. It's through the cross that you're saved. Would you bow your heads? We're about to light the Christ candle, but I want to I pray for you very quickly. If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's a simple prayer, but it's a total surrender. I know that sounds kind of funny. It's a simple prayer, but it's a surrender. It's a submission. They say, not, not my way anymore, but God's way. This is what I basically had to pray when I was 17 years old. And you can pray this in your heart. You don't have to pray it out loud. If you want to pray it out loud, just, you're welcome to do that. But you have to say, dear Lord, I'm a sinner. I have really messed up. I haven't lived for you. Matter of fact, I didn't even know much about you. But Lord, I come to you right now because I feel just your drawing by your spirit. It says there's more to life than my life the way I've been living it. Just more to life. Lord, I'm not, I'm not asking you to come and save me because I don't, want, I don't want to go to hell, which is I don't want to, but Lord, I want to spend my life counting for something. I want to spend my life walking with you, living for you. You're the perfect example. So Lord, I ask you, because of what you did on the cross for me, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. My past sins, my present sins, my future sins. Because I'm a sinner that needs saving. And I ask you to forgive me. I repent, Lord. And I ask you to begin to change me. Change the way I think. Change, change the way I walk. Change where I, the, the, the places I go and what I think about all the time. Lord, change me. Because it's a process. It didn't happen overnight. But Lord, I ask you to save me. Simply save me. I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ, you are Lord. You are Messiah. And you came to save and heal and deliver your children. If you've never prayed that prayer before, I ask you to pray it in your own words. In your own words. It can be as simple as, Lord, I, I give up. I need you. I'm a sinner. Save me. Forgive me. It can be so simple. If you prayed that prayer this morning, you meant it. I really want, we'd like to know about it. So at the end of the service, we'd like you to come. We'll have some ministry team up here at the front. Not now, but in a minute, we will. 
want you to just come say, you know, I gave my life to Jesus today. I can't think of a better Christmas present than receiving the gift, the greatest gift of all time, the gift of God, the gift of love, the gift of salvation. Amen. I'm going to ask my grandsons to come up here. We're going to light the Christ candle. I've got a 22-year-old and a 7-year-old. They spaced them apart, didn't they? Okay, this is, this is Preston. This is my grandson. And this is Ezra. And my other grandson comes from California. Don't hold that against him. Okay. <laughs> He's up here while I go shooting baskets. No, yeah. Okay. We've lit uh, the joy candle tonight, today, and the peace candle, and the hope candle. Next week we're going to light the faith candle, and to, we've lit, uh, lit all those. But this this morning we're going to light the Christ candle. Who wants to do the? You want to do it? Can you do it? Here, all right. Here let's all do it together. Okay. Whoop. Y'all can go, go ahead and stand and get your candles ready.